0: And this is, this is the fourth one in this message. And really, it's, it's kind of centered around this question, why do you get out of bed every day? Why do you get out of bed every day? I mean, I know you got to pay your bills. Praise God for that. You know, people taking care of their families. What? Because your kids wake you up. Right. <laughs> And it's good to be responsible. You know, it's good to make sure that you're doing what you got to do. I mean, there's just stuff that we got to do, right? Taking care of your family, go to work. Some of us don't like our jobs. You know, some of us, can I just say this? Some of us have been lulled into this mindset that God owes you the perfect job so that you'll be happy. And that's not really accurate. That's kind of an American dream kind of gospel. Now, You can go after whatever you can go after, you know, and God will lead you down that path and give you wisdom and show you insight, and you can walk right into your dream job, whatever you want to do. You apply your heart, you go after it, you work, whatever. You can go in that direction, and God will lead you down that path. But it's not necessarily God's obligation to give you a job that you love and make you happy. That's your role is to engage His Spirit in such a way that you have joy no matter what. Sometimes you've got to work a job you don't like, but then also make sure that you're pursuing those things that God has put on your heart, those assignments that God has put on your heart. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you how many of you don't like your job. This is like a question and answer day, but but honestly, you know, so aside from your job, because there's a popular TV or radio host out there that talks about Why were you created? It's like, let's help you discover your purpose, which then kind of somehow manifests into that's your dream job. As if God created you so that you can have your dream job. I want you to have your dream job. I'm sure God wants you to have your dream job. But I think what he's more after is you walking out those assignments that he has for you. Your purpose is to be his child. The reason He created you was to be a part of His family. Once you recognize the Lord is your Savior, you accept Christ and the finished work that He did for you to give you eternal life. Your purpose, in other words, the reason God created you, is done. God created you to be in His family. But now that you're a child, now that you're in His family, now that you're an ambassador for His kingdom, now that you're a citizen of heaven, He will tap you on your heart and say, Look, I kind of need you... Hey, child... Righteous, redeemed, accepted, beloved, hidden in me, perfect and eternal, rescued forever, safe in me, I need you to go over here and do something. Not go do this to secure your salvation, but do this because these people over here need to hear the gospel of the kingdom. Amen? And if it means hands-on work where you fly halfway around the world and you get your hands dirty doing something that's difficult, then may it be that, or may it be in the political arena. It first and foremost starts with you guys that have the little ones in your home. I mean, that's obviously your first ministry and anything beyond that. But that's what I want to talk about. And we talk about this a lot, but launching you into pursuing those things that God has put on your heart, those assignments that God has for you, that calling in your life. Why do you get out of bed? What's the meaning that you're getting out of life right now? You're secure in God. But now, what is, it that, what is it that makes me, when I get out of bed, feel like that I have a sense of purpose and meaning for even getting up and going about and working this job? What, what is it that I'm trying to accomplish? What are my life goals? What is it that I feel like I'm helping with the kingdom, right? What, what kingdom responsibilities am I taking? which might be difficult. Sometimes it requires sacrifice. Sometimes it requires walking through difficulty. But what what am I doing? What am I doing that's helping increase the kingdom? Now, not from a sense of guilt, not from a sense of shame, but when you engage that thing and you know what it is, there's a deep sense of fulfillment and purpose and meaning more than just cashing a paycheck. And that's what we're talking about, helping find those things. So a little bit of review. Uh, let's look at Romans 12, and this kind of just goes through a list. You know, a lot of times we look at gifts in the body, and we look at apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, you know, all the five-fold areas, or we look at specific, you know, kind of leadership-type things. But then there are also parts of the body that are described this way. So for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ... We, though many, form one body. Say one body. one body Democrat, Republican, independent, liberal, libertarian, whatever. There are devout, sincere, well meaning, loving Christians in all parties. Now we might look at some that are in certain parties and think, I don't understand. And that's okay because they're looking right back at you and thinking the same thing. And it's not even necessarily about being right, although there is a truth for God. And that's what's something that I that I hope that we all, especially, man, let me just tell you, whatever happens next week, get ready. Right? Because we know which way it's gonna, we know whichever way it's gonna go, there's gonna be some kind of nuttiness and craziness and maybe even linger for a while. Just make the commitment now, as believers, that you will be at peace. You will have the voice of reason for people. You're not going to engage in the cattiness, and you're not going to step down into the emotionalism of whatever is going to happen, whether your person wins or not. You know what I'm saying? Like, just go ahead and decide right now that you're going to be a diffuser. You're going to be a peace bringer. You're going to be a voice for the kingdom. You're going to be a bridge builder. You're going to be somebody that whether you win or lose realizes Jesus is the ultimate authority. I wish it would have come out a different way, but I'm going to be a voice of peace. I'm going to be a voice of love. I'm going to point people back to depending on God and not a party. Can we do that? I think if the entire body of Christ would make that decision, then once the nuttiness happens and they look and they see believers actually bonding together and praying for one another, you know, it doesn't matter who's in office because the Christians are making more of an influence than any political party could. I mean, I just believe that could happen. I really do. You know, it's by our love for one another that that they'll know that we follow Jesus. And then it's John 17, Jesus's prayer, that our unity in him and love expressed toward the world will cause the world to believe that God sent Jesus for them too. And if you're telling somebody they're an idiot for who they voted for, You've pretty much just closed the door for showing them love that might lead them to open their heart to receive Christ. Right. Good. I mean, that's really kind of common sense, right? But it, I just felt like it needed to be said. All right, so really what we're talking about is where do you fit in the body of Christ? What is your place in the body of Christ? What are those passions and those assignments that God has given you? Are you stepping into them? Do you have no clue how to pursue them? Do you have no clue what they even are? You know, right? It's like the whole conversation is around this. Praise God, you're in church. You're probably a relatively responsible person. Although Mike called Travis out, so it's questionable. His in-laws are here there. His in-laws kind of like him, so. I don't know, we're picking on you. Look how red he is, top of his head even. (laughs) they're laughing at you, not with you. So. <laughs> he can handle it. It's all right. I had not called him out in a while. Um, but, but, but honestly, where do you fit in the body? Do you know? And are you actively pursuing to walk that out, no matter how slow it might be? No matter how Uh, sporadic it might be. Do you have a plan like what Sarah brought this morning? Do you have an intentional plan to step into those assignments that you feel like God has put on your heart? Whether how successful or effective you feel like you may or may not have been, are you at least identifying it and stepping into it in some way? Whatever that might be, just the slightest movement forward, right? So this is, these are some areas that are parts of God places people in the body for these specific things, and just see if you identify. This was actually your homework a couple of weeks ago, but we'll review, and maybe you can go back and look at it again and see if there's anything that you identify with these. Of course, there are the fruits of the Spirit, and then there are also the gifts of the Spirit, uh, but um, these are other parts of the body of Christ that you might identify with. All right, so... So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We belong to each other, no matter the political party, no matter who's in office, right? Right. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. Like some of you have the gift of serving. It's just in you. You just love to serve people. Well, step into it. How can you serve? Uh, Then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If you love to teach, you want to teach, talk to whoever. Don't, you know, have a conversation. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. We need encouragers. Man, we need encouragers. How many of you like to be encouraged? How many of you like to be beat up and told that you're a stupid, dirty dumb? <laughs> Travis, good answer. <laughs> if it's giving, then give generously. I mean, do you realize that? God has placed some people in the body that just for whatever reason have the capacity to allow him to abundantly financially bless them for the purpose of them being a blessing and being givers. All, we should all be givers. We should all take a fixed percentage of our income and give it into the work of God that we feel like has purpose that aligns with our own hearts, right? Right? Like under the new covenant, you're not to give under obligation. You're not to give as a law. You're to give as you've purposed in your heart. So whatever you have purpose for, give into it. Give regularly into it. Don't just give when you have the money. And I'm not saying be irresponsible. Money is a a spiritual type of thing. You can give on a regular basis, and what it does is it teaches your heart to trust God. It makes absolutely no sense for you to give away some of your money and then the result is more flows through you than what you had to begin with. And it's not that God says, Oh, you've sown the right seed into the right fertile ground and bless God, I'm going to give to you. You know, we have these cute phrases like you can't outgive God. And then that implies if you give, then God will give back to you. And it's like, no. God's trying to give to you. God is trying to abundantly bless you. But our hearts, a lot of times, can't receive it. You know how I know? Go to lunch with somebody, and when they offer to pay, how do you feel about it? Thank you. Eh? <laughs> what if somebody tried to give you a car? How would you feel about that? Honestly, think about it. How would you feel if somebody came up into your car or your driveway with a Bugatti? A $250,000 car and said, here you go. How would you feel about that? What would you do? Could you receive it? Well, let's just say a Toyota Corolla. Let's, back, let's roll it back a little bit. <laughs> that gives you the level of indication that you are a receiver or not. I don't, now, you know, I mean, everybody... Let's be adults about it. Point made. All right. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Think about this for just a minute. God has people in his body that their main role is to show mercy. Now, so we have a diverse body of Christ we have people that need mercy. And we so God might have placed one person in the body to tell people, you're going to hell if you don't accept Christ. And some people need to hear the truth to the point that it jars them where they really engage. And, you know, they're like, it takes something like a hammer to hit them to, to deal. But, but most, of, most people need mercy. So the people that are set in the body as the hardcore truth bringers, Judge the merciful people and the merciful people judge the hardcore truth people. Now, what should be judged is the message that they're preaching. Right? But people there are people placed in the body to be merciful. Just want to let that sit for a minute. So where has God placed you in his church? And, and again, this is not a campaign. As you noticed, we haven't had sheets of the departments that we need to staff with the volunteers after the East services. That's not what we're trying to do here. They do need some kid help in kids' church, but you know, that's always a reality in churches. I'm trying to help you realize and take responsibility for the fact that you're a citizen of heaven. Heaven has a message and agenda and it needs to get out. What's your part? And are you actively pursuing it? You know, the obvious thing right now is we can speak up for God's righteousness in today's culture. God's righteousness needs to be upheld in terms of this is what it is, you know. How will people know what the truth is if they don't hear it? And and unfortunately, the church is really good at going forward with God's righteousness from a legalistic perspective. So what, what does this mean? Righteous means as it should be. Essentially, that's that's the bottom line of what it means. Righteous is as it should be. You are as you should be before God because Christ has cleansed you, forgiven you, given you a new heart, put His Spirit within you, sealed you for that day, lead you and guide you, wrote His new laws on your heart, You are as you should be spiritually with God. And what you want to do is get your heart and your mind lined up with your spirit so that your spirit affects every aspect of your being. But if our mind's over here in the world and our heart's over here in the past, there's a misalignment. And so mind renewal is get that stuff in alignment. Renew your mind after your spirit and get your heart to believe the truth of what Christ has done for you and watch your spirit affect every other aspect of your being. It's really, it's, it's like from the inside out is how we need to learn how to live. So righteousness, meaning as it should be, there is an as it should be to everything. There is as God sees it to everything. Identity, your spiritual identity, you're righteous before him. But there's an as it should be a righteousness to sexuality, you know, gender, How God sees how to organize government, how God sees how to treat people. There is just a right, righteous way. And it's not that, you know, I was thinking about that this week. I didn't plan this, but I just have this idea. I I was thinking about planting God's word in your heart. And I was thinking, you know, we, gosh, we approach that from such a we approach the word of God from such a legalistic standpoint, meaning this. The Bible says this, God inspired people to write it. It's like, God's word is this, so because he's God and because he said this, then we must obey that because God said this thing. As if we should obey or believe because God said it, and then we look at it and like, okay, well, that's what he says. That's what I got to do. And I was thinking about his word in this way. His word more so in, in his description and his instructions and everything is more so a description of the best way to live in this earth. Like God is just sitting there describing the best way to live in this earth rather than trying to just dole out laws and edicts, right? His law, you know, is law. I mean, he he is the ultimate authority, so there is a certain factor of you just obey. But are you with me? It's like... It's not so much you, you look at the Word of God and it's the Word of God because he spoke it. It's like God is describing to us, this is the best way to live in this earth. Forgive. You know, don't, don't hold people's sin against them. Realize who you are in Christ. Put on the new man in your mind so that your spirit man affects every other aspect of your being. It's like he's describing, he's giving you insight in how to be a successful Christian, how to be a successful human with whom, in whom Christ dwells. Does that make sense to you? Like I wrote this thing down. I don't really fully develop that thought out. So there's probably better language to describe it. But it's not that you're looking at what God said as if it's just this legalistic thing. He's doing us a favor. He's describing, look, this world works this way. And if you live this way, this this will produce the best fruit in your life. And that fruit happens to be righteousness, peace, and joy. It's a description, prescription for life, yeah. So, so one of the ways, answering the, answering the question, where are you in the body of Christ? Are you called to be merciful, a giver, a prophet, a teacher, an apostle, a, someone that God works through to lay hands on the sick and see them recover? Everybody has all the gifts because there's one spirit, and every gift is in every believer, but God will call each individual to operate more in one gift or the other. And, and, you know, we want to nurture that. And I want to see all that stuff happening in these services so that it also spills out into your, you know, your real world. So wrapping up the, um, then we, we did a message called Live With Meaning. And then I brought up this Jordan Peterson quote, and it kind of is the encapsulation of all those quotes. Meaning is most found in the adoption of responsibility. Not obligation, but responsibility, those things that we willingly take up, right? And so he's a clinical psychologist that has found that people, the, people will, there's an, once you have a meaning and a purpose, you have a goal, a target for life, and you're moving toward this direction, you know, it, it, it clears up a lot of the confusion that you have. If you're walking around looking at your feet, you're going to be bumping into stuff, and you're going to be blaming that thing for being in your way. But if you have a direction that you're going, meaning. In other words, this is I have a purpose to go this way with my entire life. It, it guides you. Even if you get off course, you remember this is where we're going. And especially if you have those assignments on your heart that God has for you, those will guide you. And you will face incredible adversity to stay on course. You will be shipwrecked and shake snakes off your hands and Go to prison even when God tells you don't go to that town because you are focused on this goal. I'm talking about the Apostle Paul. But whatever it might be, we'll face adversity. And God's not in the suffering over there. You know, the only kind of suffering that God condones is if you're persecuted for, your, for the faith, not all this other difficult stuff that people blame on him. All right, so... Not that I... So this is the Apostle Paul talking about just everything that he's been through. Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on. Say, press on. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. That's a purposeful statement. Paul wants to lay hold of whatever motivated Jesus to lay hold of us. So... Jesus had a purpose in coming here, and it was to, get, to set us free from sin and death, to give us eternal life so that we could spend eternity with the Father in his family, forever discovering the, fast, the deep facets of his grace. So in other words, he's trying to grasp the heart of why Jesus came for us. He wants to live for the same motivations and the same reasons. Do you see that? Sometimes the language doesn't bear it out always, but that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Like, when you, there's also another facet in this, a nuance in this, that if you don't, if you know the value that God has for you, and if you know how much you mean to Jesus and how he stayed the course for you. If you know your value to God, if you know how much He loves you, you'll stay the course for others. Are you with me? One of the greatest ways to get off track is to think that God doesn't care about you. When you know how valuable you are to Him, and that's, your, that's part of your Christianity, it's part of what you have to do. You have to, you have to engage the Word of God and get in there and see the value, the price that He paid for you. And let that redefine your identity and your being. And once you, know, I remember when I got born again, crazy circumstances. I can remember the moment, or several key moments. But I remember there was this one moment. I was sitting on the sofa, and I had these, you know, I was, I was possessed. I was out of it, hearing voices, everything, just weird. Thought I was dead. I was just out of it. Didn't make it was, you know, possessed. This could be. I'd never been born again up until this point, point. and I just remember thinking. You know, somehow it had been didn't really go to church, you know, coming up, and so. But I knew somehow once this reality became clear that I was on my way to hell, that Jesus did something for me that I wasn't going that that I that I could avoid that, and it wasn't just for getting rid of fear that I got saved. But I just remember sitting on the sofa one time, and it was so personal. I was thinking, man, you did that for me, And, and it had to be the Holy Spirit speaking to me in the moment. I just didn't know. But what he told me was, even if it had just been you, I would have done it for you. And we hear that, and it's a bit cliche, but man, I'm telling you, if, you don't, if that's not real to you, if you don't really feel like God would have sent Jesus just for you, you have to go there with it. You have to go that deep with how God sees you and how much he cares for you especially if you're wanting to walk out this calling and assignments in your life because that is what will keep you on track toward others. You have such a passion for these people. The one person that's in front of you that needs to know how much God loves them. That's what drove Paul. That's what drives us. I gotta, I'm staying on course because this person, man, this person is hurting. And we avoid responsibility because we don't want them messing up our lives. We don't want to. We don't want to have to think about them when we're laying down, going to bed at night. Are you with me? We don't want to. We don't want to get in the mess with people. We've worked really hard to have these nice, peaceful lives. You know, it's like my finances are doing pretty good. My marriage is doing pretty good. My kids aren't. My kids are doing pretty good. My job's all right. You know, like I just don't want to rock the boat. And here comes this person in your life that's got a need. Oh, I don't think I want to. You know what I mean? Or or, or whatever it might be. Maybe it's speaking up for God's righteousness in whatever political conversation that you're in because we don't want to offend. I don't want to go there. I don't want to create the mess. I don't want to rock the boat. Rock the boat. Not, Not for rocking the boat's sake, but because that person needs to know, even if it's just the one, how much God cares for them, loves them, died for them, became human and died for them. That's got to be our motivation. It's basic, it's foundational, but it's profound. There is no greater motivation than, than to move towards someone with the hope that they, in, they know God's love for them, and then they allow him to transform them so that their life moves out of whatever this cesspool is that's bringing them down. Yeah, you know, it's just that heart of looking at somebody, being <sighs> brokenhearted because they're just all this... You know, that's, that's ministry. You just look at someone and you're like, it could be so much better for you. It really could be so much better for you if you just let God do this for you. If you would just actually trust him and let him help you. Well, how do I do that? Well, I don't know, but I think I can kind of model to you because of my love for you. Might teach you a little bit how to open your heart a little bit and then you'll let him do it for you. I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward calling of Christ in of God in Christ Jesus. And that is multifaceted. So embrace your place in God's church and pursue it wholeheartedly, like all in. You're called into that place of mercy, you're called into that place of giving. They're called into that place of prophecy, teaching, serving, whatever it is. You know, laying hands on the sick, being an evangelist, being a pastor. Whatever. And it's not about going into the ministry, right? Like that, that used to be kind of a mindset that got put out there was like your ulti- your, the, the best version of your Christian life would lead you to a place where you're in some type of vocational ministry. Like that's a big idea that's been out there in certain circles. And it's like that is just not true. It's just not true, you know? Ministry is in every facet, paid or not. So, let's keep going here. This This is what I really wanted to talk about today, but I just kind of felt like we needed to set it up a little bit. So, a lot of us are avoiding, let me just go back here. A lot of us are avoiding those assignments from God because we don't want the responsibility. We're avoiding the assignments from God because we don't want the responsibility. Should I say it again? We don't want to deal with it. We don't want to deal with the hassle. It's too difficult. Our lives, uh, how in the world could I do that if I got to clean this up? I don't know, but the Holy Spirit knows. And if you want to be serious about walking that out, go to him. Be involved in a church that's going to help you along the way. You know That's one of the things we're going to do in this Writing Your Future meditation exercises for the next couple of Wednesdays. We're just going to get serious about, all right, what does my future look like? What do I feel like these things are that God's put on my heart? Basically, my, my goal for you would be that you come out of the end of, the couple of those two Wednesdays with an action plan, an action plan to follow God intentionally. That's really what I want to, what I want to see happen in those two things. But so the body of Christ at large right now, is avoiding responsibility, avoiding kingdom responsibility. I'm not trying to beat you up. I am really not. I, I realize like like every moment, every like I'll say something. I'm like, mm-hmm. you guys good? Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm real. It's it's more motivation, right? I, I'm like, come on. There's a world out there, a world out there that doesn't know the love of God, that needs to know the love of God, and you have a very unique and important role in that effort toward the world. And so a lot of Christians are checking out. I read a a number, 65 million Christians don't vote at midterm elections. It's not that voting is going to change the world, but it's one way for us as Christians to have influence in this world system. It's just one way. 30 million don't vote in general elections, like when it's time for a president. It's incredible, people that check out. And then you got popular pastors out there writing these articles that make you feel guilty and ashamed if you're going to vote for Trump. Anybody read that article? I don't really want to call the guy out. but (laughs) (laughs) So the the church checks out for for a few reasons. And let me just say this, and I know I'm going a little bit long, but one of the things that I see the church checking out on is waiting for the rapture. An eschatology that says, a view of the end times that says, well, it's just going to get darker and darker and darker, and I've read the end of the book, I know who wins, so let's just let the world go to hell in a handbasket, and we'll just not do anything, and we'll just wait. That, that is so defeatist. That is, that, that's given up. And it's just wrong theologically. It, it, nowhere in Scripture does it say disengage from society and just let the enemy take over. No. Go. Go into all the world and make disciples until that part where you feel like that it's not worth it anymore, then you don't have to worry about it anymore. No. Go and make disciples constantly. And part, everybody has a part to play in that pursuit of people so that we collectively can disciple people. People are worth it. I mean, what we're doing when we're saying we're just sitting there waiting, for, and people don't say it that way. People don't say, well, I'm just waiting on the rapture. Some people do. And I'm picking on the rapture people a little bit. But so that, that's the mindset that I want to address, not just rapture mindset, but also the mindset that says it's just going to get darker and darker and darker. Or people that carry the mindset, well, God's in control, and whatever's going to happen, happens. Well, then give me your wallet. Because <laughs> if God's preordained everything, then that's in there. Hand it over. Now, we got choices to make. We have decisions to make. We have responsibilities to assume, to carry out those assignments that God has put on our heart, not to become a better Christian, not to make God happier, not to secure your salvation, but because your salvation is secure and because you are an ambassador equipped, go. And sometimes it's just You're not giving up some radical thing, but you're just not avoiding the opportunities to speak up. I would encourage you in that one thing. Just don't avoid the opportunities to speak up. Speak up for God's righteousness. Speak up for the truth. Speak up for opportunities to share the gospel. Speak up for those opportunities to pray for one another. I mean, it's not like you've got to give up your job, move out of your home, sell everything that you have, and somehow be some kind of traveling evangelist, that's not what we're talking about. You have plenty of opportunities in your daily life, your weekly, monthly life, to be voices for the kingdom, to fulfill these aspects of the kingdom of the church of Christ that God has placed you within. But a lot of times we just don't take advantage of those opportunities because we either don't, we're embarrassed, or what are they going to think, or what are they going to do? Are you with me? just stop avoiding the opportunities that you have now. Can I say it that way? Stop avoiding the opportunities that you have now to be carriers of the kingdom. So that sets up this idea here. 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty four. Paul goes through and he's talking about, he's, he's, he's advocating for the fact that there is a resurrection, and he's talking about the end, and he's ultimately getting to this point when he says, uh, you know, in lots of other places, he's taught that... Um, let me go back out of here because I'll lose you. He's taught that it's finished, that he's already destroyed every dominion, principality, and power, and that's true. He's has, Christ has all authority. Christ is not battling for authority. He's not battling to try to win something. He's already won. In that spiritual dimension, Christ is king. And it says at some point... Jesus will then turn the kingdom over and give it back to the Father after he's destroyed every enemy, the last one being death. That, that's really interesting to me, right? Like, so that means that right now he's still going about and enacting the victory that he already won at the resurrection, but he's doing it through us. He's enacting his victory through his church. All right, so that leads us to this passage here. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule, every authority, and every power. Now, see, we have a future, an eschatology that says, at the end, he'll destroy all the powers and authorities and then set himself up as king on this planet. That's what we think. And we think it's going to be really dark. It's going to get darker, 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 and darker, darker. Until that point, so let's just wait for him to show up and then fix everything for us. Now, there is that sovereign time when he comes and he he shifts over and there is no more death and all of that, you know. But until then, let me read it again. And we talked about this a little bit last week, but I wanted to go into it more. Then the end comes when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after, say after. after. So... After destroying, so you can say it this way, after destroying every rule and every authority and power, then he gives the kingdom back to the Father. For he must reign until he's put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. That is right now. So we have this thing that says at the end, then Christ will reign. Think about it. Like, use your mind for just a minute. Think about what you believe about the future. Think about what you're hearing people prophesy about the future, rapture mindsets, God's in control mindsets, and I'm not going to go into to explain all that. I mean, he's all-powerful. There is none greater. There's only one true God. But what I'm saying is he gave us dominion over this planet. But think about Think about what you believe about the future. Do you believe that at the end, then Christ will come and reign? At the end, then he'll destroy all his enemies. And this this kind of changes it a little bit, doesn't it? I want us to think about this a little bit. For he must reign until he's put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy enemy to be destroyed is death. Now, there's probably a lot about that that we don't understand, but there are some things about it that we do understand. Christ is reigning right now. Amen? Christ is the preeminent one. He is Lord of lords, King of kings. He has stripped all principalities, powers, and authorities, all rulers of any authority that they have. He has made a show of them openly. We're talking Colossians 2 here. He has ascended into heavenly holy of holies with his own blood and cleansed that place so that the accuser has no more access to the throne of God. He is king. Like, if Jesus decided that he wanted to flex his king muscle the way that he could, this place absolutely is under his authority. But he's given us dominion over this planet until the end. But he reigns right now. Which dimension is greater, the eternal one that doesn't change or the temporary one that's going to disappear? That one where he rules and reigns is the eternal one. That one is the... that's, that's truth. We're in some version of reality right now. We're like in a virtual reality right now, you know, that will change. I, I'm just wanting to kind of wrestle with this idea for just a minute that in this moment right now Christ is reigning. Well, I don't know about that. I'm looking at the world and all, all this death and disease and sickness. and Well, that's what it looks like because mankind is reigning over the planet right now. But we could allow Christ to reign through us. What would that look like? What if we yielded it? So let me ask you this. What if, this is idealistic, but it kind of makes the point. What if every single Christian on the planet for a week did exactly what God led them to do in every situation? Like, I, like what, what would the earth, what would your life look like? What would the earth look like? Let's say a year. What if every Christian on the planet? Followed God perfectly for a year. How big can you think? And it also kind of reveals what you think of the character of God. Like, in our minds, some people might think there'd be a lot of dead people. (laughs) There'd be a lot of judgment passed out. But some people might think, man, nobody would be sick. Everybody would be healed. There'd be no more sick, there'd be no more poverty. A lot of this infighting would be gone. How many times has God. Let's not go there. I'm kind of trying to bring it in, but he keeps bringing it up. So, are y'all good? How does he reign? So, he must reign until he's put all his enemies under his feet. Christ is currently reigning through you. Well, what do you mean by that? This is a little small. I'll read it to you. Romans 5, starting in 15, going through 17. Yeah, 17. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God. And the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result. Talking about righteousness. The free gift is not the result of the one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift, talking about faith righteousness, but right before this he said, there is now a righteousness that is revealed apart from the law that is by faith. So, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. That's not just a poetic way of saying Jesus is going to live through you. That, that, that is a legal statement of what you are now as a righteous being on this planet, Christ is reigning through you. How does Christ reign on this planet? Through you. You have been raised with him and seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is not a locational statement. That's a statement about authority. It's not that he's lifted you up and you're sitting in this throne somehow mystically, spiritually with him. What he's saying is, I've li- I, you're, a co- you're a joint heir. You have the same authority in the earth that Jesus does. The authority of the believer matches the authority of Christ in this earth. You're not the Messiah. You're not a God. You're not going to become a God. But he has shared his authority in the earth with you. Are you with me? The power of the authority that we have is incredible. And it's packaged in you being placed in the body as one that is a carrier of mercy, a servant, a giver. How does Christ reign? Through you as you assume the responsibility of where he's placed you in the body. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing that the body of Christ is on this earth and on this planet and, and, and that we carry. We have the presence of God in us. You know, it's what God wanted from the beginning when he, when he pulled the Israelites out of Egypt and he moved on Moses and he said, go get them all and gather because I want to come down. We're going to do this thing. I'm going to be their God. I'm going to be with them. And they are like, no, you go talk to him. And that's where the law came in. But what did God say? He said, I want my people to be a nation and a kingdom of priests on this planet. That's what we are. That's what the body of Christ is, a kingdom of priests, of kings and priests in this earth going into the world doing the things that his body does, bringing healing, bringing words of wisdom and encouragement, words of knowledge, mercy, generosity, forgiveness. That's how Christ reigns as we exercise those things that he has put in his body, which ones are in you? They're all in you, but which ones is he calling you to? Do you go out in public and you see somebody that just looks like they're struggling and your heart breaks for them, but you never say anything to them? Well, Christ doesn't doesn't get to reign in that moment. You're sitting on that authority. You're not moving and letting his kingdom out to influence the world around you. It's really simple. And and the more you do it, the more you want to do it. And it's so practical. It's really just so practical. And it's easy. Walking with Him and taking responsibility for those things that He wants to do through you so that He will reign through you in this earth until the end. That is His body. That's us. Say, that's me. that's me. Well, you know, you just don't know. I've I'm, I'm just got this problem here. I've got this drug problem. I've got this sex problem. I've got this drinking problem. I've got this anger problem. I've got this... It's like, man, you know, get over yourself. I'm not going to just say, stop it. That'd be nice. But I'm telling you, you, you deal with that stuff when you have a focus and a mission and something to aim at. You know, sin... The word sin is the Greek word harmartia, and it means to miss the mark. You know, I don't know so much that you're trying to throw darts at the board of perfection as much as it is you're throwing darts at the board of purpose and meaning and God's assignment. And when you're not moving in that direction, when you're not aiming at that, then you're going to sin. Then you're off distracted. When When you're pursuing and you're focused on what God has for you, that purpose and that meaning, that's what you're aiming at. You're not going to be missing and getting off and distracted over here. I mean, in terms of getting it right, you've hit the bullseye because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus is your sin offering. He is the atoning work for your salvation, your forgiveness, and your righteousness. In Him, you are holy. In Him, you are perfect. Not because of what you've done, but because you are a vessel that He has done something to with His own spirit and His blood, and that's the state that you're in, spiritually. And then you can believe that's who you really are, and it will affect the rest of your being. And so because of bad theology, a lot of people disqualify themselves because they still think, well, I'm just an old dirty sinner. God can't use me. In this article, this pastor that said don't vote for Trump because he's all these sins he listed, and I'm like, well, if that's the context, then why in the world did God call the Israelites to follow Moses, who was a murderer, and David, who was an accomplice to murder and an adulterer and a liar? And Paul, who oversaw, sanctioned the murder of Christians. Did I finish that? We're almost there. Romans 5:17. This is. Um, I just wanted to focus on this one. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. Do you have a vision for that? So how does Christ reign through you? How does Christ reign through you? What can you do to ensure that you're going to allow Christ to reign through you. We just did this whole 1 John series where we went through the first four chapters. I still need to wrap that up. I'll do a video and put out 5th chapter and then 2nd 3rd John. But first and foremost, love people, which is walk in the light, walk in love. How can you make sure that you're allowing Christ to reign through you? You walk in love, first and foremost. Of course, love God, but that's a response to his love for you. You love him because he first loved you, and then that spills out. Do you, are you motivated? Are you inspired? Are you feeling it? Yes. Then love people. Like, if you want Christ to reign through you, love people. Pretty simple. Bear spiritual fruit would be number two, and that's in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Go look it up this week. Memorize the list of the fruits of the Spirit so that when you're out In public, God knocks on your heart and says, right now I need some patience or some kindness or some gentleness or some meekness. You're like, meekness? Go look it up. But you might hear that word rise up within you when you're out in public, and that's God saying, look, I need you to be this right now in this moment for this person. But if you don't know the fruits of the Spirit, you don't know how He's going to lead you and guide you. Go memorize those. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And then the other is take responsibility for and action on your place in the body of Christ. Every one of you have some facet of a calling of God in your life to walk out as part of the body of Christ. Every one of you, however visible or not, however widespread or not, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter but there's that, there is that leading on your heart. Last one, just reign by bearing spiritual fruit and taking your place in his body. Are you willing? You know, I, I don't think there's a person, a, a sincere person that's maturely trying to follow God that wouldn't say yes in this scenario. If Jesus appeared in front of you and said, all right, this is what I want you to do, you'd say, okay, thank you for making it clear. But he gave you his spirit. He gave you his spirit, you know, and and your heart has a part to play also. You know, it's not just an external obedience. What God's after is obedience from the heart. He wants your heart in agreement and in alignment with those things that he wants to do through you so that your desires are changed and match his desires. Are you with me? And I don't really know how to put a nice little bow on this and wrap it up and say, okay, now here's the seven steps that you do this to figure out the assignments of God in your life. That's kind of like me stepping into your marriage and telling you how to love your wife. I mean, I can give you some points and tips for what works in my marriage, but that's your wife. That's your relationship with God. You're his child. That, that's why one of the reasons we don't have a lot of programs in this church, you know. We don't have a path that you come in and you plug in and it's like, okay, this is what I got to do to be involved and serve here. It's like, no. You come in, enjoy, be free, worship, make some friends, hear the word. But if you do have something on your heart, let's talk. Let's get plugged in. Let's start getting intentional about that thing. But until then, I'm not I'm not going to lay out a path for you that you got to walk out. I don't want, a don't want a, you don't want a path anyway. Been there, done that, right? It's probably one of the reasons why you're here. <laughs> and there are your friends that want that too, you know? Like I like I'm I'm going to encourage you to bring your friends, but I'm not trying to capitalize on the emotion. I just know that one of the greatest ways for you to affect people, is bring them to church. Let this community love them. How many of you like this church? That should be 100%. <laughs> Your first time, there's a couple first-timers here. It's all right. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, we, we want to follow you. We want to walk out those things that you have for us to do. We want to influence people for your kingdom. We want to carry the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ as far and as wide as we can. We want our lives to be fruitful. We want to personally reflect your glory. We don't want to stay stuck in sin and in the pain of the past and all that stuff, God. We, we want it gone. We repent of all of that junk and we let it go. God, we don't want that stuff in our lives anymore. We want to press forward toward that mark, that calling, that high prize. But it has to do with the reason that you laid hold of us. The prize is people, so that they would know and engage your spirit and let you transform them. That's what we're after. We're after helping people engage you so they can experience transformation and be free from that sin and death that they're messing with. And you know, it's easy and light. Jesus, you said, take my yoke upon you, for my burden is easy and my yoke is light. No matter what we face, we can have righteousness, peace, and joy because your spirit is inside. We transcend what happens in this world. Father, we thank you for the nation that we're in. We thank you for the framers that created this environment for us and this constitution that we have and the system that we have that we get to vote. We don't take that lightly. Father, I thank you for that opportunity, but I thank you that uh, no matter what happens, that we as your church, we as your children, we can be bringers of hope and peace to guide people to you no matter what. No matter what happens as a result of the election, as a fallout, if the country fundamentally changes or goes in a particular direction or whatever, whatever we learn, whatever happens, we are Citizens of your kingdom and we transcend this world's systems and we will keep our eyes focused on that. We will not allow ourselves to be divided along party lines, economic, racial, gender, sexual, all of that stuff, God. It's, it's just tools of the enemy to divide your church. And I just speak against that stuff and that mindset right now. Don't, we will not give in to that stuff and be divided we realize we are one body in you in Christ with a mission to go into the world with the gospel of the kingdom. And just back to you for just a minute. If you are willing to say yes and step forward into that assignment and assume responsibility for your role in the kingdom of God, just, just lift up your hand as just saying, Yeah, I'm not looking. I don't care who's ready. I do, I do care, but I'm not looking. This is between you and God, yes. Just raise your hand, yes, Lord. Yes, I will follow you. Yes, I will step into that role you have for me in your body, whatever that might be. I'll be intentional about that. I will get in your word and I will let you inspire me and I will take action. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this heart journey. Visit my website at clintbuyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation. that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.